The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. The hope of America is in the hands of believers. It's in our hands. And only God can heal America. This is not a time for political correctness. This is a time for biblical correctness and truth. And we got to share it. Using the power of the gospel to transform our culture. Next on Life Today. Welcome to Life Today. Betty and I consider it an honor to share this time with you. We have been bringing together and bringing and presenting to you over the last few days the heartfelt concern and I believe the love of God expressed through some of the most respected church leaders in America. What these leaders share, it really is the kind of wisdom that leads us to make the decisions that heal the nation. It, you, the healing of the nation, according to 2 Chronicles 7.14, depends upon my people called by my name doing certain things. These leaders came together understanding that. And they're sharing the kind of wise counsel that I find myself praying and every opportunity I have, I encourage candidates and leaders to listen to the wisdom that comes from above that secures our future and our freedom and gives us the best chance of security and peace, an opportunity to achieve, to succeed, to not only see our dreams fulfilled, but his dream fulfilled. And freedom is essential for that. That's what these leaders are talking about. Let's don't lose it. We've got a lot to pray about, and we've got to take action. We don't opt out. We cast our vote, we take our stand together, and we make a kingdom imprint right now on this planet for the glory of God and for the good of everyone he loves, everyone you love too. Uh, I've heard so many things in this room that, that encourage me, that I can agree with, that I say amen to. Um, but I, I believe that we're all going to get around to the same thing when we come to the bottom of it all. Um, we'll have to conclude that everything we see happening in America today, everything that our nation has suffered today is because of a gospel-less culture because we have not gotten the gospel into the hearts and minds of our population. Therefore, they haven't been transformed. Therefore, they have these uh, values that, that do not align with God's word or with us. Uh, Dr. Zachariah, you said something in your fourth point today that was so important that I, I just kind of picked out all, all the four of those, and it was such a big deal for me to hear that. You said it's the gospel, the beautiful story, you called it, the gospel. And then you pointed to us as pastors, and you said, that's your job, to get the gospel to the people. And I'll, I'll have to be honest with you, over the last 40 or 50 years, we have not done that well. We may preach it from the pulpit. We have not gotten it outside the walls of our church. And I agree we must get people to vote. We must get our people to vote. But we also have to get into our communities to transform the heart of the voters, the other voters that are not part of the church. And the only way that we can do that is the gospel. And all these other things we talk about are part of the head of that spear, but the gospel is the tip of the spear. The gospel is what pierces the hearts and what changes the hearts of the people that, that we need to see life changing in our communities. 
Last night, I was driving down the highway and decided to text a, a man in our church whose name was Andrew. And Andrew is a, is a service worker. He owns a, an air conditioner company. And uh, he's just your average, ordinary guy who came to Christ a few years ago. And I asked him this question. I said, Andrew, I was wondering about what kind of political leanings that you had before you came to Christ. Did it change much after salvation? He said, I was this. He said, I was very liberal, and it changed quite a bit after salvation. I said, why? Because of moral issues, or what exactly was the turning point? He said, yes, moral issues, but I think more of a platform stance. I also was changing as well, and the more I studied the Word of God, the more a biblical worldview began to really matter, so it changed everything about the way I thought and voted. And I really believe that we have to acknowledge that, that, that we must be sure that the gospel gets into our communities, not just to the people that come in the walls of the church, but that we mobilize our people with the gospel into the communities themselves. And so what we have to do is make sure that we mobilize our congregations to take the gospel into the world where you and I will never really go. We have to equip them. We have to send them out, not by the hundreds, but by the thousands and the ten thousands. Is that the only way our nation is really ever going to change? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that that's something that God has put on my heart uh, to live by and not just to share today. And when we do that, I believe we'll see bigger changes than what we can imagine right now. I pray that we'll be about that in the years ahead. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. It's a tremendous honor to be here. I, I have received so much strength and uh, blessing just being with all of you. I need you in my life. We need each other. But Judges 19 is what God spoke to me very quickly. Uh, there's a hideous crime that was committed. Uh, a, uh, a man and his wife are attacked. She is brutally abused, raped, and left for dead. And the Bible said she crawled. They left her and thought she was dead, but she crawled all the way back to the house. The next morning when the family awakens, they open the door, and there is this lady with her hands on the threshold of the house, dead. And the man was so moved when he saw what had happened to her that what he does is, next is unthinkable. The Bible said he took her body and cut it into 12 pieces and sent it to one piece to each tribe of Israel to cause a sense of outrage, an awakening to happen to say, you, you cannot treat this as normal. This is happening to our nation. And then he gave in verse 30, three quick instructions. He said, number one, consider this. In other words, let the realization of what is happening to your freedom, to your nation, to your cities, to your schools, to your neighborhoods, let it set in. He said, consider this. Secondly, this is why this is so powerful, James, is because he said then, take counsel. I looked that up and it said, unify, come together. That's why this is so powerful because we cannot do it unless we unify. You never hear of 50 demons splitting off and starting a new hell. <laughs> they stay together. But we can't get together. And if ever there was a time Jesus, Jesus prayed three times the same prayer, make them one, make them one, make them one. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the grave. 
it one time, it takes more prayer to unify the body of Christ than it does to raise the dead because he had to pray three times to unify the body. And he said, take counsel. He said, number one, consider it. Secondly, take counsel. And then the last thing he says in verse 30 is speak up. Speak up. Let the, let the rage not be directed at flesh and blood, but let your voice be heard in heaven and let your vote be registered here on earth and speak. And, and lastly, when, when Elisha was on his deathbed, Joash comes in and God, says, take, or God said to him, take arrows and go to the window. And he said, beat the ground. And the Bible said that he just did it kind of mediocre. And he's, he hit the ground three times and he said, if you would have been intense, if you would have taken this passionately and seriously, you could have shot because the arrows were the arrows of God's deliverance. And that's what I think God, the, to, the, America has never been in more trouble, but God has never been more willing to give us an arrow of deliverance than in this hour. And I believe what he said is so true. We have in our hands the arrow of deliverance. Pray fast and vote. And I believe, and be vocal. Speak up. Speak up. It's been a special day. Uh, you know, through the years I've learned that brokenness begs for healing. And I think uh, the people that are out there that we're serving are desperate. They're, they want relief. Um, they want hope. And the greatest challenge during this uh, phase of a person's life, it's not that they will believe nothing. It's basically that they'll believe anything. They'll believe anything. They'll turn to anything uh, for hope and healing. We were in a, in a meeting in New York recently, and um, I, I, I looked at a, a, an individual, and I said, I really believe that there's been a modern-day beatdown of Christianity. There's confusion. There, there's this sense of powerlessness that's, uh, that's per pervasive among the people. And they want someone or something to follow. Would someone step up? Would someone become a voice? Would someone challenge them that there really is hope and that, that, that the power really is in the church, the people of God? And it's, it's like everyone's looking around waiting for something to happen, waiting for some white knight to come blowing into town and say, follow me, follow me. And, and I, I've been challenging myself and my prayer, my earnest prayer at this moment is that inside of Christianity, that someone or something would happen, that there would be a movement of God, of God, that there wouldn't be just a conversation of God's people, of God's leaders, but there truly would be a movement somehow that would come together, that would shake the foundations of this, even this country. That Christianity truly would awaken and take her rightful place. That there would be an uprising among the people. And the people would rejoice at what God is doing. If this group, if 12 disciples would do it, if this group would somehow collectively come together under the banner of some mantra, some voice that over, would overtake or overwhelm social media, that would send a message that the church truly is alive and well. It would echo to our children and to our children's children. That's what I believe. 
That's why I'm here. My dad, and I'll just close with a story of my father. My dad pastored for nearly 60 years. But I want to tell you about my dad. As a young boy, he, he felt called to go into the military during World War II. Tom Brokaw called them the greatest generation ever. And he uh, signed up and joined the United States Navy, served on the USS Pennsylvania. And he told uh, me stories as a young boy about how he served in the South Pacific and how terrifying it was as a young boy to be on that ship. One time he had to take a shell that misfired out of one of those big uh, howitzer guns or whatever was on that ship and had to carry that shell by himself as a boy and how terrified he was. He talked about the kamikaze pilots coming at them. And he said he literally kissed the ground when he got back to the United States of America. He loved America so much. He talked about the freedom, how, how he loved America so much. But he, he, found, he found a spiritual freedom. Someone led him to Christ and he became a pastor. And for almost 60 years, he served as a country rural pastor, a circuit riding pastor. I'll tell you about my, my, my dad. My dad loved God and country. He loved truth, Ravi, so much. He prayed with authority. And as a young boy, I sat at his feet and said, that's the gift that I want to give to my children and my children's children. Will we, will we rise up with a voice or will we simply have conversations? That's what I think we need to do. We need to move to a place where this translates into truly something that people see. And see, something that people can follow because they want to follow. They're frantic for hope, for relief. And if we could get that message of hope and power and strength, that, hey, it's like the uprising because my family matters. The uprising because my faith matters. The uprising because freedom truly matters. The uprising because our future really matters matters in these moments. May God help us do that very thing. That's all I felt. That's what I feel all day here. And how does that translate down into what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do tonight that sends that message to the world, literally, that something took place in Dallas, Texas? Something radical happened in these moments. God did something. And all the people will rejoice. I believe that. Uh, I start with 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which everyone in here can quote. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Three things I want to say about that. Number one, the hope of America is in the hands of believers. It's in our hands. Number two, only God can heal America. Amen. And number three, gave us the action plan. And that's to humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. Then he took me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter three. And God said to Ezekiel, I'm going to make you a watchman over Israel. Everybody here understands a watchman in the Old Testament. They put him on the walls of the city. And he was to look for the approaching enemy. And when he saw the approaching enemy, he was to announce it so the people could prepare themselves for battle. I believe I'm sitting in a room of watchmen tonight. 
And in the third chapter of Ezekiel, he tells you what the duties of a watchman are. You owe it to yourself to read it because it's serious. Really serious. The punishment for not announcing the oncoming enemy was death. That was a punishment. As we leave here, my question is, what are we going to do? And I think that's the question. Are, as watchmen, are we going to sound the alarm? And it's like Reverend Zacharias said, are we going to tell the truth? This is not a time for political correctness. This is a time for biblical correctness Amen. and truth. Amen. And we got to share it. God is looking to us. He's not looking to anyone else. So let's go forth committed to this great nation to speak the truth, to share the gospel, and give ourselves a chance. Thank you. Amen. Well, you know, we've had a lot of people say, I wish you'd put all the content on some kind of a presentation where we could hear the concerns uh, that were discussed. You know, we're, we're looking at that because here, here's what I want you to know, that the concerns and the wisdom that was shared does not only apply prior to an election, but so much more so even after election. Many of our leaders find themselves circled by the influence of the Washington establishment, and they're literally cut off from the wisdom that they so desperately need. That's been typical throughout history. So, you know, we actually, we just wish the whole world could hear everything that was shared. I hope you've appreciated it, because I sure appreciate these leaders. And I know all of you tell us how much you love sharing God's love. In other words, the joy you get. There's the thing we hear more from people who watch our program, they, they all tell me they like you. They think they're beautiful. <laughs> they wish you'd talk more. <laughs> Would you tell them I don't silence you? You're always... No, you don't, you have, I have the freedom to talk I, all that I want to talk. And I am <laughs> pleading with her to talk more. But, but here's the thing. The thing you tell us is, James, you give us an opportunity to make all the difference in somebody's life with an expression of love. And you let us support people who planted their lives in the midst of pain and suffering to share the love of God. And so together we make that happen. And it's a joy. And right now, Christmas smiles and shoes. Who comes up with these things that we're able to do? The missionaries and people like you. A businessman came to us and said, I can get shoes like this that people pay a lot of money for. I can get them made up for children where they're just in size and we can get them for $3.60 a pair. Why don't we give them to kids for Christmas? It was a businessman that said that. But it took people like you to make it happen. Christmas shoes and smiles. Right now, I want you to watch and see if that's not what you want to be a part of. I think your heart's going to leap to be a part, and you're going to rejoice because you're going to give someone so much joy by sharing the real meaning of Christmas, the greatest gift of love ever. We're going to pour out that love on somebody else. Watch. God, that's awful. That is awful. I can't even imagine, you know, you just walking around with this, this toe. There's all the dirt and the gravel. It looks so infected, I'm afraid it's gonna start creeping up his foot. And the thing about it is if he just had this shoe on, just the simple, the, the, the simple things that we take for granted, if he just had this shoe on his foot, this wouldn't have happened. One of the reasons these shoes are so important 
walking barefoot, they can contract a lot of diseases. Uh, so, I mean, I'm looking at their feet right now and the toenails are completely gone. They feel like the bottom of your shoe probably does. This year, you helped Life Outreach provide food and water for children all over the world, and they're eternally grateful. This coming Christmas season, we'd like to put an extra smile on their face by giving them a pair of shoes for their very own. And for children who have difficulty smiling because of a cleft palate, doctors are available to perform corrective surgery, giving them a chance for a healthy life. Linda? Malini. There you go, Malini. This coming season, help us provide children Christmas shoes and smiles. Wow, Betty, I want to see 150,000 kids get shoes for Christmas because somebody like you loves them. I can't watch our grandson, Chris, with all those little children. I mean, he's a coach, a football and baseball coach. Now he's, a, I think, the full-time baseball coach at Lincoln Christian, where he went to school and played quarterback and played baseball. Now married, but he said that trip, helping those children, he said, Mimi and Papa changed my life forever. He put that on Facebook. Those became the postings on his Facebook. And there he is with those children. So that's what love does. You think it doesn't please us when our grandchildren love to share the love of God. But see, you make all that possible. There's no way those missionaries could be there. There's no way anyone could go and express the love that's in your heart, that's in God's heart, if you didn't participate. So Betty, I'm praying everyone watching, every single person watching, will give pairs of shoes for Christmas. $36, 10 pairs of shoes. $180, 50 children get a pair of shoes for Christmas. And Betty, we're doing the cleft palate surgery. And that's, a, that's so wonderful. I mean, what a greater opportunity than to give smiles to children that have never been able to smile and shoes on their feet to protect them from all the diseases they can get into their little bodies when they go barefooted and they step on all the, the, the garbage that's around and all the things that they can cut their feet. And they're gonna run, they're gonna run around and they're gonna play. They may not have very much, but they're gonna play because that's in the heart of a child, James. And I, it just brings, I promise you, if you give to, a, to give a smile to a child and put shoes on their feet, it's gonna bring a smile to your face <laughs> and to your heart. No question about it. You know, we've got a great grandson waiting for a second great grandchild. And one of the things everybody looks for, beginning with mom and dad, but certainly the grandparents, is the first time that little child smiles. I want to promise you this. When you see a parent look at a child that obviously is never going to be able to smile if they don't have a miracle gift of love, you're not just blessing that child that can smile. You're blessing that mother that birthed that child and loves that child and that dad. Would you please give some smiles for Christmas? Like Betty said, it put a smile on your face. $500 is the average cost of the surgery. So $1,000 will give two smiles. Is there any way you could do that? Maybe you can do more. I know if you can't, I believe you will. But then keep this in mind. 36, now listen to what I said, $36, 10 pairs of shoes. And if you'd like to receive not just one little shoe, but you'd like to say, let me just hang up a whole lot of shoes. We send this beautiful gift with all six of the shoes that have been made since we started. And you make a gift of $180. Really what that's doing, 
50 children get a pair of shoes. We're gonna send you all six for your tree. Wonderful conversation piece inspiring others to share the love of God as we think about the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org or would you go to the phone and dial that number, take your bank card, always use it like a check. That's how we should always use them. But make the best gift you can. Please, would you do that? Would you do it now? It's so easy to forget. If you want to write a check, make it to life. But tell us, call us, tell us what you're putting in the mail. Please do it now. It really is that important not to put off. And it sure will mean a lot, not only to a child and children, but to their parents. Thanks for doing it. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair. And a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted blue metal shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $180 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request our Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, from the bottom of our heart, we want to say thank you. Thanks for being our friend. Thanks for being what we so often refer to as a friend for life, sharing the life and love of God. And we not only share the love, we tell them where that love comes from. And the source of love is Jesus Christ and a relationship with the loving Father. Are you praying about the election? Remember, if you decided not to vote, you've actually cast a vote for the person you like least. That's actually what's happened. Please, starting at your local level, all the way to the top, pick the wisest leaders. Not just the ones at the top, but don't opt out of any of it. Father, direct your people to pray and act in Jesus' name. Thanks for sharing God's love. Let's pray for and stand for freedom and the preservation of freedom's foundation. Thank you for doing it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a witness. Thanks for sharing love.
When planning your future, keep their future in mind. Contact Life Planning Services today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.